MailChimp presents. Say you're the head of marketing strategy for a small clothing store. You've perfected digital communication with your loyal customers, and now you want to expand into brick-and-mortar locations. But you haven't totally perfected your segmentation strategy, and double-checking the right emails are sent to the right customers just takes so much time. Intuit MailChimp can help. With Intuit MailChimp's automation and segmentation tools, personalizing each email based on individual behaviors is made easy. Intuit MailChimp allows you to share your new product launch with VIP customers who follow every release, run a targeted campaign for more seasonal buyers, and send out location-specific emails to promote your store openings among your new neighbors. They'll take care of your marketing needs so you can take care of your customers' needs. Start refining your email marketing strategy today with Intuit MailChimp, the number one email marketing and automations brand. Based on competitor brands' publicly available data on worldwide numbers of customers in 2021 and 2022. Availability of features and functionality vary by plan, which are subject to change. Hello, friend. I'm Paul Jarvis. Welcome to Call Paul, a show where I get to ring up some of the most interesting minds in small business and have thoughtful conversations about their unconventional approaches to commerce. I've run my own small company for the last 21 years, and I've written books on how bigger isn't always better in business. In this season, I'm talking to folks who are prioritizing doing the right thing over just the most profitable. Some are starting something brand new, standing up their businesses in an entirely new environment. Others have been at it a while, working to ensure their continued sustainability through turbulent times. And there's a lot to learn from everyone. We all flew out to New Mexico to harvest pinon sap. Uh, it was just a really special week that we spent tripping around and we had a property where the owner had a bunch of dead pinon trees. So we, we went around and you know chiseled off the sap and put it in buckets and we brought it back with us to make the incense. So it's, it's a little bit of like, you know, I mean, that's all what Juniper Ridge is all about, the place and the smell and the nostalgia. But I, I feel that with our product and that desert pinon lately when I've been at home burning it. That's Leah Fritz the COO and interim CEO of Juniper Ridge, a company that sustainably harvests plants, distilling them to make candles, sprays, essential oils, and more. A few years ago, Leah took over the business from its founder, Hall Newbegin, and while her vision of what Juniper Ridge still aligns with his, her focus has been reinforcing the foundation of the company to keep it as sustainable as possible well into the future, both in terms of how they harvest, as well as how the business is run. This is a story about a long-time business that's going through a lot of changes. But through it all, Juniper Ridge has done something important, and it's a really good lesson for all of us. They've shown us what they care about, operating with integrity towards their employees, the land, and their community. And Leah and her team do that work in Oakland, California. Well, yeah, so Oakland is an incredibly rich, wonderful place. And I, and I do feel that that's a special opportunity. We're on this 
property called the O2 Artists in the Aggregate, and it's uh, it's a community of different artisans businesses all in this one big lot in West Oakland. It's a very industrial neighborhood and it used to be an old oxygen factory, but there's everything from somebody hand making sake, soba noodles. There's a business called Don Baguito and they're making uh, chocolate dipped fried crickets. Um, there's gardens and restaurants and it's all kind of, there's a lumber mill. So sometimes the lumber mill will chip or chip a bunch of like trees that we would use to distill to make a scent. So we'll use that and we'll take the chips out of the still. We'll put them into the compost pile. They use the compost for the garden, the garden supplies and things for the restaurant. So there's kind of like a little closed loop of, on all these businesses. It sounds like there's a real sense of community rooted in Oakland and a local artists. But then that, I guess, kind of oozes out from Juniper Ridge to all your customers. Our customers really they read our stories, they read our blogs, they like, they love our, you know, all of our visual stuff on Instagram and they, we have a, you know, our blogs that go into our newsletters and they, uh, we utilize all the artists for that. So whether it's artwork, photography, our copywriters, musicians, we, we always have a music component to our newsletters. The various artists that we work with are really a strong part of like each of our communities, the Bay Area obviously is, um, there's an abundance of really talented artists. So we're, you know, we're working with different people that are definitely are in line with the, the vision of Juniper Ridge and that they care about the places, they care about the people. Uh, so, you know, the artists in our community are vital to Juniper Ridge in the marketing in that, you know, it, it is a community based, like kind of small town business. And, and, and all of that combined just melts really nicely with who Juniper Ridge is and, and wants to be. Before we talk about what it wants to be, let's go back to the beginning. What led Hall to start the business in the first place? So Hall grew up in Portland. And he spent a lot of time on Mount Hood and around different parks around Portland. And he went to New York and went to college, but he had this deep need to get back into the wilderness when he, when he finished college and he moved to San Francisco. And it, it must have been something just super unique about him, but he really just started smelling different things. He started smelling the soils and the trees and he started getting into perfume and reading about these really super old techniques from you know places like Egypt thousands of years ago and how they were making perfume. And, and he just started playing around with, with the plants. And so yeah, about 21 years ago, he's, he started Juniper Ridge in his basement in Berkeley. Um, he was married and had a young daughter and he started selling the soaps and incense and teas. Those were the three primary things that he started with uh, at the farmer's markets uh, in Berkeley and San Francisco. Probably about eight years ago, nine years ago now, Hall took out a, a, a loan to build the company and to grow the company. And he hired 20 people and he had all a marketing team and a sales team. And he had kind of built a he built an infrastructure. He built the scaffolding of an infrastructure almost, um, which was really nice. Uh, it, it provided me with the tools necessary to not have to build it myself. And I've built a couple of other businesses from the ground up and it's very challenging. And uh, it was nice to kind of transition into a company that had the bones were there. Um, 
what would have made it easier is if there was a little bit more of a foundation under those bones. So Hall was, you know, a philosophy major and he was wild and he liked to go to concerts, but he was just very full of life. Um, so he spent a lot of his time focusing on the lifestyle portion of Juniper Ridge, creating Desert and Denim, which was like a four day festival, makers festival with music and lectures. And it, that was kind of his, his role with the company. It wasn't so much building the solid foundation that's going to carry the company through, but I, that's exactly what I'm focusing on now is building that foundation to carry us through the growth that we're, we're experiencing. So then how did your involvement start with Juniper Ridge? And do you remember um, initially meeting Hall? Like, do you remember how that kind of happened or came about? I do. It's, it's a, yeah, I, so my background is in hospitality. I've um, spent like about 12 years running luxury hotels in California, two different ones specifically, but I was, I was hired at a local hotel where I live. I live in um, West Marin, North of San Francisco. And I was, I was hired to help open a hotel for a restaurateur and it was, it was really fun, but I met Hall there. And I was familiar with Juniper Ridge um, because I lived in Big Sur for a long time and he would visit there and they had a scent called Big Sur. So I was familiar with the brand and we started talking and I wanted to start carrying his brand in the hotel. Um, on the side, I had another business I was starting as a production manager so producing music events and hall is a massive audiophile and we started connecting via music and that was the deep connection that we had initially uh we shared a lot of similar tastes in music all the bands i was booking were his favorite bands and the events were really fun and we just became really close and good friends i don't know i don't i have this like very instinctual maternal thing about me where I was just like, Oh, you know, like wanted to help him just instinctually. And, and we just kind of built a bond and he was needed some help personally. And so I decided to help him and that segued into helping him with the business and then eventually taking over the business entirely. How has that been stepping in to run things? Yeah, and I'm I'm still finding my way there. I mean, it's a very lovable company with a huge heart, and same as Hall. So it wasn't really hard for me to to really dive in and, and give all of myself to the company. Um, and then there was the transition of him, um, his health declining, and me taking a bigger role, and then eventually him stepping down as CEO, and and me taking on taking on that role. It's been really great. I we're a really tight knit team now, and it's only been a couple, you know, like about four years that I've been with the business, and then we hit this pandemic, and all of a sudden it's just like trauma, and then we lose Hall, and there's more trauma, and we've really, we've really grown together over this this time. And um, as far as that aspect of my involvement with the company, it's been really amazing to kind of build those relationships. Was there anything missing that you've now had to build? It's a little bit of everything, to be honest. It's just creating systems and policies and procedures and uh, creating policy for our accountants and for bringing on support for human resources and on the manufacturing side, building up, you know, really strong policies and like our good manufacturing policy and so it's it's a little bit of everything. It touches every single department, every you know, every one of our employees. Which we're now a much smaller company. We're uh, right now at 
13 employees. So we've downscaled and grown at the same time. So I feel like it's working if that's the case. Um, but we're, we're definitely seeing a difference. The little, every little bit of structure that we implement makes a big difference. Mm. I guess one thing that it seems like has been consistent as I look at this packaging that I have from Juniper Ridge from 2007 is there's a a big note on the back of it saying 10% of profits are donated to defending Western wilderness. So it seems like um, natural stewardship or, or philanthropy has kind of been baked into the business. How do you see that as being a benefit or, or that as far as philanthropy or stewardship goes with running the business? This is kind of the core of Juniper Ridge. I don't think that Juniper Ridge would, would exist without this component. Um, it's, it's why most of the people work at Juniper Ridge work there. And it just feels really good to be able to you know, give back at the end of every year to all of these incredible organizations. And uh, I get the opportunity to work with a lot of these conservation groups um, on a one-on-one basis to determine who needs what, when, and what's going to be the most effective. And that's really special. I think that a lot of our customers see it and really appreciate it as well. I think that component of uh, of commerce has got uh, quite, quite important, uh, especially recently where people are thinking, okay, well, where's the best place for me to spend my money? And it is, it isn't always just, okay, this is the cheapest or it's like, how to, how can I find a place to spend my money that aligns with the values that, that I might have around the product that I'm looking to get. And I think doing things like this uh, makes, makes sense. Yeah. I think there's so many levels to that too. You know, you vote with your dollar, but then there's the conservation, the sourcing, where's the farm, who are the farmers, who are the farmers workers? Like there's just so many layers now. And I, I'm just really grateful that people are starting to pay attention. And I think that Juniper Ridge being a 21, 22 year old company has had, has had a hand in leading people towards that because it's part of the, every conversation we have. Seems like those conversations have even changed how you source raw materials. Can you explain the difference between wild crafting and upcycling? Wild crafting is going into an area, getting a permit, and looking at specific plants that you know are part of our formula. And we're never killing any plants. So it's more like we're pruning the plants. We're either pruning them up to prevent fire or we're pruning them away from other trees to create space so that they continue to grow. So wild crafting isn't just the harvesting part. It's actually crafting the wilds. Oftentimes they're camping. They're on these trips and they're harvesting and collecting plants and they're actually camping out in the forest, which is really fun. And it's, it's a perk of the job. But anyway, the upcycling is more going to an industry that's using something that has waste that we can then turn into our product. So every year after Christmas, there's all the Christmas tree lots and people stop buying Christmas trees probably about a week before the holiday itself. So there's just these lots full of Christmas trees that are either some are alive, some are potted, but most of them have been already cut off and they're just going to die. Those, uh, as same with the wildfire mitigation, they're often turned into um, burn piles or taken to the landfill. 
we go in and collect the Christmas trees. Uh, we run them through a wood chipper and distill them. Um, but the upcycling is that the, the key is that we're taking something that would be waste and we're using it and turning it into something else. So Juniper Ridge, I guess, exists around um, finite resources, the natural environment. How does that impact? I'm, I'm so curious about this. How does that impact the way that you run the business or the way that you think about strategy and sustainability of the company, of the, of the thing that makes the money? It's very complicated. I feel that at the size that we are now, I feel that we do have, there's ample resources available for us because a lot of the craft, wildcrafting that we do is more working with different industries who are, you know, already getting rid of these products. So they're waste products anyway. So when you're talking about California and all the wildfires, there's all this fire mitigation. So they're going up and cutting limbs out of trees and they're usually either putting them into a giant burn pile and burning them or they're going into a landfill. And so we're just taking those. And there is a very large supply of that. And there's going to be so much more of that work in the coming years. So I'm just building relationships with those people. There's the arborist, the tree service, the forest service, there's these different agencies, the Christmas tree farms that we're building relationships right now to solidify like those relationships. So that as we do grow, we don't get into a situation where, um, where that's a problem, but there, you know, and sometimes we talk about it and, you know, there, there is a limit to the company like this. We can't source plants forever. And it, it, there really is a limit to, to how, how we can grow. And, and we're, I, I'm still in the process of kind of sorting that out for myself. Yeah. And I don't, I. Uh... I don't know if businesses have to grow infinitely <laughs> at high scale to to be successful either. I don't like, think, I think so that, either. I think that that's just a, a thing that people say, like if you're not growing, you're dying or <laughs> that sort of thing. And I, I think it's just, it should probably be challenged more. And I'm glad to hear that, uh, that, that the business uh, is doing that because I think it should, it is something that, shouldn't just be taken as, oh, this is, this is the way things are. This is the way capitalism is. Right. So. I don't understand why that's not talked about more. I never hear, I never really hear much about it. And I think that it's important for people to start having that conversation. Uh, I mean, it's apparent when you look around the world and everything that's going on, that it's not a good idea. Yes. Um, I mean, yours isn't the only industry that has finite resources. There's, right. I, there's, right. there's a finite there's a finite resource probably tied to every single business on the planet. Yep. <laughs> so absolutely. what do you hope that your customers take away from Juniper Ridge? Part of what I hope that people get from Juniper Ridge is, is really a little bit of nostalgia for places that they might have had experiences with in the past or intrigue and the desire to want to go to those places or protect those places. So I really, I think that each one of our products and each one of the regions they come from, I think that they can have an, um, I think they can have an effect on, on different people for different reasons. For me, all of the desert sense that you have remind me, cause I got married in Joshua Tree National Park. Oh, beautiful. And I live in a rainforest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so having that, my wife and I having that smell, uh, especially during the pandemics, we can't, 
um, go to the States because I'm, I'm in Canada, not America, right. um, has just been really important. And it's funny that smell, it feels like, I don't know, it feels like it's less, it, it feels like it should be less of a thing for memory than like actually seeing a thing, like seeing a photo or seeing a video, but it does, it feels like it's more somehow, which is always, I don't know, just interesting. Yeah, and I don't actually know the exact specific science behind it, but I would imagine as primitive beings, maybe our eyesight wasn't that good and we could smell our food or our predators or whatever it was. But it also is so nostalgic. It creates so much nostalgia, just everything from what you eat to the places you visited as a kid. I mean, that that's kind of how Juniper Ridge started. That is what... Paul would go to the forest and he would smell these smells and it was it reminded him of his childhood and he he started formulating the scents. Having a visceral reminder of travel and other natural places in the world through Juniper Ridge's products has been so very important to me personally during this pandemic and quarantine. Like our first guest, Austin Cleon, Juniper Ridge shows their work. Their website and branding is full of beautiful imagery from their camping trips to harvest raw materials, and their packaging evokes a sense of calm and natural beauty. Their DNA as a business is intertwined with protecting the natural world. You just get a sense that they are considerate to their community, their process, and the integrity of their product. And that's worth a lot as a consumer. The why of Juniper Ridge is so strong that it's endured two different people running the company. But more interestingly, and this is really important, they keep asking the whys, even questioning to what extent they should keep growing in the context of both the business and the environment. A question that we should all be asking ourselves. Finally, is worth noting that they're not afraid to be true to who they are. My package of their Douglas fir incense from 2007 says, no fakey anything. Indeed. Next Friday, I'll be chatting with the CEO of a ceramic dishware company who cares so much about radical transparency that her company shares intimate financial details on their website. If you're trying to be a company that is true to your values, then like first and foremost, you should never be making a business decision that you feel like you have to hide ever, ever. And if you're, if you are like, that is a big red flag that you are drifting off course. You know, every decision we make, uh, the, the kind of gut check I run around it is like, is this something that we would, we could post on Instagram and feel okay about. I hope you'll join us. In the meantime, you can check out the small business spotlight also in the call Paul feed. They're audio diaries from business owners, giving you a behind the scenes peek at the day-to-day of running a company. These stories are pretty great. I think you'll really enjoy them. Call Paul is wonderfully produced by Ruth Eddy and is a MailChimp original podcast. Subscribe now in your favorite podcast player so you can check out all our other episodes and seasons. And if you want more awesome content, check out MailChimp.com slash presents.